So we put ourselves out there. Said, hey, we're Justin and Joe. Here's our deal. Uh, warts and all. And it was amazingly more resonant than kind of the corporate feel. Amazingly so. Welcome to A Congruent Life, where we share inspirational stories of authenticity and happiness. A Congruent Life is an interview project sharing the stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things, discovering their passions, and living authentic, amazing lives. Here's your host, Andy Gray. Hello and welcome to episode 45 of A Congruent Life. My name is Andy Gray and thanks for joining us. A Congruent Life is all about authenticity and in particular we share stories of reinvention. People who have the wherewithal to reevaluate what they're doing with their lives and go forward in a way that is more congruent for them. Today I'm talking to Justin Cook who reinvented his own life in a way that basically amounted to convincing his boss to fire him and then moving both his personal and professional life halfway around the world to the Philippines. I'm talking today to Justin Cook, who is a partner in a business called Empire Flippers. Justin, welcome to A Congruent Life. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. It's great to connect um, online here. We've been uh, buddies for a while here through the Dynamite Circle, and we've had a few other guests on the show from the Dynamite Circle. So it's great to finally connect with you and bring you to the show. So maybe uh, just to kind of start, can you introduce yourself to our audience? Yeah, so my name is Justin. I'm a partner at a company called Empire Flippers, where we help other people build, buy, and sell online empires. What that means is basically uh, websites, so profitable websites. Uh, we've been building them for a couple of years now, and we started sharing what we do online, and it really resonated with people. They said, wow, that, that's kind of interesting. I, you know, I want to try to do that as well. Um, and then we offered a marketplace for people to you know, buy and sell sites and uh, you know, just connect buyers and sellers uh, you know, for, for websites. So how did you get to doing something so crazy as selling websites online? Yeah, that's that's a weird, weird <laughs> business, right? So uh, my business partner and I, we were middle management at an SEO company in the U.S. Um, and we'd had a business before that had failed. It was a mortgage company. Um, but the one thing that worked really well is we had uh, virtual assistants in the Philippines. And that was fantastic. So when our you know uh, local SEO company started to expand... Uh, we saw an opportunity. So we told them, look, I, I think we have a, you know, uh, there's some opportunity for this company to expand in the Philippines. We'd hired a bunch of uh, people in the U.S., probably about, I think Joe and I had uh, 60 people or so uh, working for us, managers and supervisors and, and our team. And we said, look, you know, we want to expand this business. Why don't we try to do so in the Philippines? They said, oh, well, we don't want to own an office. We don't want to be, you know, owning computers out there. And we said, no problem. We'll take care of that. So over time, we started to grow that team. We actually outsourced ourselves. Uh, we were in, I remember this, I was in the HR office and I was signing over my job, basically quitting my job and becoming a contractor for the company that employed me for the last few years. Uh, a few months later, um, I packed my bags and moved to the Philippines so we could start our new business. So it was really kind of a, you know, we saw an opportunity and decided to take it by putting together a, a plan to run an outsourcing company for our previous employer. Um, and then when we got out there, you know, a few months later, that that client started to cut back a little bit, started to cut back on uh, the work that they needed from us. We started adding new clients, but eventually, 
they cut back more than we were able to. So we were in a, in a spot. We said, we've ha- we have all these em- employees, these great you know, people on our team, and nothing to do with them. Which is problematic, right? You know, we you know we need to be able to pay their salaries and you know keep them on board, uh, or let them go. So we started looking for ways that we could keep them on board temporarily, like a temporary fix. So we started building out these small profitable websites, and you know we figured, oh, it's a temporary thing. We're going to get them placed with someone else, another client, in six months or so. They started building these sites and they started to make a little bit of money, and that's that's kind of how we got started. It was kind of an accident uh, or, you know, kind of a, a catch-all or like an in-between, uh, you know, a bridge to getting a client. And it turned out to be a major part of our business. There's a couple of really interesting pieces in what you just said there. Uh, first, I can just imagine that scene in the HR office where you're saying, okay, I'm basically quitting my job to go do something that's that's kind of crazy. And it sounds like you had thought it through and you, you'd had a business plan in place. But can you talk a little bit about the personal side of that? It, it must have taken a fair amount of courage to say, I'm going to quit my good job and I'm going to move around the world and go do something that's completely new to me. Yeah. So so my business partner and I, when we saw the opportunity, I remember we were sitting in the US, we we're sitting at an Outback Steakhouse. And, you know, over a couple of beers and we started to go, I think we have a real opportunity to, to build a business again. And we've been gun shy after our last failure, but it had been a couple of years. And we said, you know, let's get back on the horse. So like literally napkin type math, we started to kind of sketch it out there over a couple of beers and said, you know, I think there's opportunity. So we went back and, and, uh, and put together a plan, a PowerPoint presentation showing how we were going to scale it up, um, you know, the cost savings and, you know, how it was going to work. And, you know, um, it took a couple of weeks and we presented that to the CEO, CFO uh, with our plan and they loved it. So, uh, yeah, it was weird. I felt like, you know, we're trying to convince the CEO and CFO to fire us. Right? <laughs> it's kind of a, kind of a weird thing. Um, we so we did that and they loved it. My, my uh, mentor was a COO. He's actually uh, a contractor to the company. So it wasn't actually full time. Um, you know, but he encouraged me and helped me along the way to kind of make the presentation. So when we finally got what we were asking for, there was a question of like, is this really what I want? Like, it sounded like a fantastic opportunity. Uh, but what am I getting myself into here? Right. I mean, I'd been, I'd been to the Philippines twice, uh, temporarily to kind of work with our team here. Um, but now is going to be my team. And I remember, so I pack, you know, I have extra luggage and I you know, pay the extra luggage. I hop on a flight out to the Philippines. And when I finally get to my destination in Davao, I remember getting off and going, wow, I live here now. Like I'm moving to a small tropical country from kind of normal life. And this is what I wanted. And, I, and then I started wondering, is this, is this really what I wanted? Am I sure about that? So I think it took me a while to get over that that question of of you know is this really what I wanted? That once the newness wore off, I started wondering, you know, am I did I miss out on some opportunities by not being in the U.S.? Were some of my peers and mentors a bit wrong? I you know it was recommended to me that I should stay in the U.S. Uh, while my business partner was out here in the Philippines, that we would have better opportunities, that you know being in person and being able to meet up with clients would be better for our business. And they argued that to me, I think, with my benefit in mind, but they didn't understand that I wanted that excitement. I wanted to leave the U.S. I wanted to explore, and I felt too trapped uh, where I was. This is in Temecula, California, which, you know, if your listeners don't know, it's a really small kind of town. It's between L.A. and San Diego. And it's just, 
you know, I don't know if you've watched the show Weeds, but it's like Agrestic, right? Where, you know, all the houses are little boxes and everything looks the same. And that's, you know, that's how I felt there. And I needed something different. I wanted something different. You're, you're starting to kind of get to my next question, I think. But um, the, the business opportunity aside, I mean, you had a, a business plan that showed that this would, would be good for both you and the company. But how did this kind of radical transformation fit into your own sort of personal desires and personal goals? So I, I'd been in the Navy uh, previously, years and years before. And so just, you know, you know, being on a ship and being able to travel and go to all these different places, I remember kind of the feeling of stepping off the boat in, in some new, different country for me. And it was a really exciting feeling. You're filled that like your stomach is just, it's just awesome. It's a great, uh, amazing experience. And so I remember that. And I said, wow, I just love traveling. I love going overseas. I love exploring new places. And personally, aside from the business stuff, I, you know, I knew that getting over to Southeast Asia would give me, you know, afford me the opportunity to travel a lot more. Having my own business, being back in business for myself, uh, would allow me to explore in a way that I wasn't able to do in Temecula, California. And yeah, so I, I was really excited about that. I was a little nervous about, you know, kind of how I would fit in, uh, you know, culturally in the Philippines, kind of you know, kind of the feel and, and how things would work out for me. Um, but I knew that I, I generally have a, a, a sunny outlook on things. You know, things tend to work out for me. Even when they're bad, they, they get better. And so, you know, I, it wasn't, I wasn't as fearful about it because I tend to look at things, you know, from the perspective of, you know, things will work out. Things will be good. It may be scary or, or kind of miserable for a little while, but there's always sunshine after the rain. And that's that's kind of how I view my life and viewed you know my move to the Philippines. The other piece of what you said uh, at the beginning that I thought was kind of interesting was we, we were talking about when times were getting tough and that your original company started scaling back on the work. And now all of a sudden you're in charge of this big team of people that you felt this responsibility to. And I think it's interesting that you you jumped into this business venture basically as a business venture. And now all of a sudden you have this extra responsibility to people that you uh, you felt like you needed to, to work through. It was more than just an asset. It was a responsibility that you had, I guess. That's right. Yeah. So Joe and I had gone through uh, layoffs before in the U.S. So we'd been responsible for having to let people go. And we know that that can be really difficult and trying, right? And so I think it's different when you work for a company and you have to let people go as opposed to your own company, because when it's your own company, you feel more that it's your failure, right? Like if you have to let people go on, you know, because they're, you're laying them off, what did you do wrong to put them in a position where you have to lay them off? And so, you know, it's, it's something we avoid even more, I think, uh, with our own business. So we were, you know, we were, they had cut back a bit and we'd replaced some clients. So we were starting to diversify our customer base a bit, but we didn't do enough. And I, I feel like early on, we probably should have been more aggressive uh, in targeting new clients. We didn't. And so because of that, or because we didn't, uh, you know, we got to the point where when they cut back completely, we had these extra agents. And so you're right. You know, we felt some responsibility to them personally in making sure that, you know, we were able to keep them on board. I mean, one of the things I love about what we're doing is we're able to, you know, help people feed their families. I mean, you know, the, how the Philippines work is it's a very, um, 
a familial thing. So, you know, multiple people are, are generally bringing money in to support the family. And that family can include 20 people, 25 people. So if a major breadwinner loses their job, you know, that can be really rough on the entire family, not just the person that works for us, but their extended family as well. And so, you know, not wanting to be forced to put people, good people, smart people that are on our team in that position was really important to us. So connect the dots a little bit from going from that kind of situation of, of doing work for your previous company. And then now you're doing something that's somewhat different than that with the Empire Flippers. So one of the things that Joe and I have done is, you know, we originally started with a mortgage company and that didn't work out. Then we went to a local SEO company and that didn't work out. Then we went to an outsourcing company and, and, uh, you know, it's interesting because we got to, to explore, you know, different industries, but not so great for the, you know, the thousand hours, for example, the becoming an expert, the 10,000 hours, becoming an expert in a particular area when you switch industries like that. Um, I will say that, you know, working for a company, uh, in the middle was kind of a nice break because when you own your own business or you run your own business, you're, you wear lots of hats, right? You're responsible for so many different things and, you know, had taking a break from that and only having a couple of like narrow and focused responsibilities. It's almost like a weights lifted. Like you can really kind of uh, narrow down uh, and hammer those issues out rather than, you know, having to be responsible for everything. And what we're finding now is, is it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, a bit scarier, a bit more difficult when you have to wear multiple hats. But over time, the idea should be, I think, to bring in, you know, a smart, talented people that can wear some of those other hats as well. So if you build a team of people that are, you know, focused on the, the long-term mission or the goal, you can get them to wear some of the hats that you were wearing when you started out. So I, I think building uh, teams of people that can help in your business is, is critical. Speaking of teams, one of the things that we talked about a bit previously and uh, before we started talking actually here was um, about some of the different manifestations of those teams and the partnerships that you sort of engaged in to morph your business into what it is today. Can you maybe talk a little bit about what you've learned through that process of, of putting together partners and teams and sort of aligning your business in a way that works for your own personal values? Yeah. So, you know, Joe and I have had some partnerships before. We talk on our podcast a bit about, you know, some of the, the dangers of partnerships. Um, a lot of times I think people get involved in a partnership because of fear of going it alone. And so, you know, generally I think that's a horrible um, reason on its own to partner. Uh, a partnership, you know, a business partnership is much like a marriage in that, you know, you're going to have some very difficult times and some really hard discussions uh, first off, you have to be able to have those discussions uh, with the other person. Um, it can't be, you know, everyone kind of ignores the major issues. We had that in one of our first partnerships as a three-person uh, partnership, and we kind of ignored the third the problems with the third partner, and it, it caused serious problems in our mortgage company. Um, you know, I, I think one of the things we've done, um, and this is different with our outsourcing company than with our newer business, Empire Flippers, with the outsourcing company, we we said, look, we're gonna we're gonna have a website. Uh, people are gonna see us in the U.S. or Australia, and they're gonna, you know, it's gonna look like a corporate site. It's gonna be very corporate, and so people are gonna see that we're a you know strong company. Uh, we may look bigger than we actually are, and we we thought that might be a good thing. Um, turns out, you know, it probably wasn't. Uh, when we started Empire Flippers, which is basically creating these small sites and and building and selling them. 
we didn't care as much because it was like a side project for us. You know, it was just something to kind of pass the time or, or get, you know, get us through uh, not having our people employed. So we didn't care. So we put ourselves out there. Said, hey, we're Justin and Joe. Here's our deal. Here's our gig. Here's where we're from. Um, you know, uh, warts and all. Uh, and it was amazingly more resonant than kind of the corporate feel amazingly so and we found that people really buy from from you as a you know a personality as a person rather than this kind of corporate business and and looking back on it uh i think it was a much better approach we were much more transparent about what we're doing uh much more out there and and that i think uh helps separate uh you know, our empire flippers from our outsourcing company, TriBPO, and made it much more successful. We were cruising along. It's kind of a lifestyle business for the outsourcing company. But I think we've really connected with people uh, with the building, buying and selling websites with empire flippers. And I think that's the difference. Yeah, I, I think that really is the magic word there of transparency. And I, I think one of the really interesting things about your Empire Flippers business is it's not so much the business itself, which is interesting in its own right, but it's really interesting how you've taken this approach of education and transparency and, and just being out there with your podcasts and your income reports and all this content that you put on your website. You say, this is, this is our business. Like you said, we're Justin and Joe. We're not this faceless company. Why do you think that that matters so much? Why, why is it that you've been so much more successful just being people as opposed to being this corporate face? Well, because I think a lot of people in business, they try to front, right? So it's always positive, positive, positive. Look at all the amazing stuff that we're doing all the time. And, you know, uh, people can't connect with that because that's not what happens, you know, with regular entrepreneurs or, you know, people that are just getting started in their entrepreneurial journey. So they're, you know, sucking. They're, they're having problems. They're, you know, things don't work out wonderfully well all the time. And so that just seems so disingenuous. And it's hard to connect with people that are that way when they're only looking at the positive. So, you know, we come along um, and, and, and we're like, look, you know, we, we kind of donk this up. We made a mistake here and this didn't really work out as well. But this this kind of works. And so we're running with this. And people were like, oh, that's cool. We talk about things like, you know, how you know it's working, how you can feel it. Like what's the feedback you're getting to show that it's actually working versus not. And and we say that because there are so many things that we've screwed up. So we know the difference, right? Um so yeah, I, I think the fact that uh, we're just talking about it, we're we're you know we're regular dudes. I actually saw someone a while back. They were mentioning on their blog, you know that uh, you know, how does the regular guy get started in our industry, right? In the building, buying, selling industry, how does the regular guy get started? You see people like um, someone else that does something similar, uh, Niche Pursuits, Spencer over at Niche Pursuits, or Pat Flynn from Smart Passive Income. You know these guys are crazy smart and they probably MBAs and they've done all this. How does the average Joe kind of do it? And I'm thinking to myself, that's so funny that he thinks that about us because we are, I mean, we really are just kind of, uh, you know, a couple of dudes. I mean, you know, we, we took a shot at, in the Philippines. And so I guess, I guess maybe I'm overplaying that a bit because we did do some kind of weird stuff, right? I mean, we moved halfway around the world. We started a corporation in the Philippines. Um, I, I just think that maybe, Maybe people read more into that than, than there really is. It's really just a couple of guys that took a shot at it and, and started making some moves. That's it. So what do you say to those people that say, how does the average guy get started? What sort of advice would you give them? 
Well, I, it's going to depend on the industry, of course. But in our industry, um, the best way to get started is start building sites. Um, you know, stop buying you know products and information products that you know you hope will help you and are probably um, you know overpromised you know, magic buttons or silver bullets, and just start building out some sites. So you know, set yourself up with a hosting account, buy a WordPress theme, start writing some content. Um, you know, do your keyword research, that kind of thing. So in our industry, it's really not that difficult. And it's not even that expensive. Um, but I think that a lot of people are looking for opportunities that don't require the work, right? They, 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 want, they want guaranteed opportunities that don't require the work. And, and that tells me that they're not ready to be an entrepreneur because you just don't get guarantees like that. And that I mean, in fact, the mindset where you think that you get a guarantee or that that works is so off the mark that there's just no way it's going to work out for that person that thinks that. Do you know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. It, it's amazing how consistent of an answer that is across industries. You know, it doesn't really matter. I mean, sure, there's some industries that maybe have some specialized knowledge, but to be an entrepreneur, it seems like it boils down to the same few things, which is basically take action, keep moving, don't give up, learn what you can, don't get distracted, keep focused on the goal. Yeah, I think, you know, it does take quite a while to, uh, to, to be successful. You know, it's funny, we, we talk about uh, keep going, right? And you've probably seen some of those like motivational images where you have someone dig in the tunnel and they kind of stop and they're like a foot away from hitting the gold or whatever it is, right? Sure. You know, where they quit just too early. And that's, I don't know, that's easy to say. So I thought about what, what's the other side? Like how far can you go um, before you realize, oh my God, I should have backed out of this way earlier. Um, a good book on this is uh, Seth Godin's The Dip. Yeah. And so, you know, he talks about, you know, like, you know, fighting your way through the dip. But there are some dips that you shouldn't even, when you feel the slide into the dip, you should back out right away. And so I thought that was a really interesting perspective. If you've, if you've kind of seen those motivational images and gone, is that always the case? I definitely pick up a copy of that book because it, it, it helped me uh, understand that a bit better. So I, I guess my point here is that, you know, uh, there are some warning signs as you're heading into something um, that that can tell you that you shouldn't push through this. This isn't something that, that you're going to want to push through. One, one of them, I think, would be that what happens when you're really successful with this project? So Joe and I have looked at some of our you know, because we, we kind of have like different profit arms in our business and, you know, we kind of decide whether or not we're going to start a new uh, project and we look at kind of the goal and what we want that to be. If this worked out well for us, it would put us here. And there are times where we have this idea or I have this idea in my head and I go, oh, man, Joe, this we're going to crush it with this and be awesome. And we sit down and actually map it out and say, okay, in a great scenario, we end up here. Is that really what we want to be doing? And sometimes the answer is no. It's like, yeah, it sounded great, but you know, even if it works, I'm not sure I'd appreciate that opportunity as much as I thought I would. So that's a great way to uh, to avoid even starting the dip. You know? Mm, yeah, that's some good advice right there. I'd say. What are some examples maybe of the dips that you and Joe have encountered in building up Empire Flippers? Well, one of them is definitely when our you know major client uh, bailed out of the uh, outsourcing company. So. Sure. You know, that was pretty painful. Uh, you know, we you know, financially, we were probably at about half. Our total revenue is probably half of what it was when we started with them. So we'd only replaced about half of the cash. Um, we were in a position to where Joe was saying, hey, you know, why don't we, sh- this is our first office uh, here in the Philippines. He said, look, we're probably better off shutting down the office. 
Uh, and I said, well, you know, he said, just from cost, we'll save on the cost. People are probably more happy uh, working at home anyway. And that was a really frustrating thing for me. So we fought about this. And looking back, I think he was right. But my feeling at the time was like, if we give up this office, I feel like we're giving up on our business. And it's not true. It's not at all true. But I, I remember thinking at the time, no, no, this is something we need to hang on to. And if we don't, you know, it's it's going to spiral. Our business is going to fail. And and it was it was really, really tough for me. And we fought over it um, for a couple of weeks uh, until finally, finally, I gave in. And and looking back, I think uh, it was the right move. A few months later, we opened up a different office that, at, you know, we'd planned on opening another office anyway, but just losing that one, it seemed to me, which would hurt our business. And ultimately, it didn't. Um, another thing we fought over uh, was when we started building these small sites, we were in the hole. So we'd spent some money. I think we were about maybe 10 grand in on this project. Now we've had our employees working on it. We've been paying them. Uh, we're, we spent about $10,000 on it. I, we put in a lot of time. And, but I said, Joe, this is working. Like, it's working. It's resonating with people. These the sites are starting to make some money. It's going to be profitable. But we're, we're growing too slow. So we need to put more of our own money into this. We need to dump money into this project. He was against it. Just ab- he's like, no, no, we just wait. and we, It takes us four years to get it to where we want it to be. That's it. Um, has to be profitable on its own. So we, we fought about this a bit. And I think we came to a better conclusion, uh, ultimately, which was this. Why don't we sell the sites, realize the cash flow up front, right? And then take that cash flow and reinvest in the business and scale it. So, you know, we had these sites, you know, say the site's earning, I don't know, 100 bucks a month. We could sell that site earning 100 bucks a month for 2000 So we're realizing 20 months of cash flow up front taking that $2,000 and reinvesting it into team, into building out more sites. Um, and, and so that's how we were able to scale over like six or seven months. So the reason we came to that was because of like a major disagreement, one where, you know, we were loud with each other arguing over this. And finally, uh, you know, we came to, I think, a better conclusion than we would have had. I want to put more money into it. Joe refused uh, to do that and would rather wait years to scale it out. Ultimately, we came to a compromise that I think within six months got us to where we both wanted to be. So, what do you take away from that experience besides the you know specific business decision that you made? What do you think was the the learning from going through that process between you and Joe? Joe needs to listen to me more. Uh, of course, <laughs> that's, that's what I took away. No, um, I think that uh, you know it's easy in a partnership to think that your way is right, especially when you're so convinced or so passionate about your particular case or position. Um, and I think part of a good partnership is being able to come to not compromises, not settling or middle ground, but compromises that are better than uh, your decision or his decision uh, were on their own. So when we're able to compromise and kind of hash things out and come to a better decision, that's fantastic. And so when we butt heads or disagree, even vehemently disagree with each other, um, you know, trying to see and, and keeping open, like keeping dropping the ego and saying, okay, this is better for the business. This makes more sense for the business. Screw my personal ego or feelings about it. That makes sense. So we, we end up going with that. So I think in a partnership, it's both, you know, being able to compromise to come to better decisions and being able to drop your ego for the good of the business is really helpful. 
Yeah, that maybe brings back some things that we were talking about before, where we were talking about uh, relationships and the similarities between business relationships and personal relationships and the importance of integrity in those relationships. I wonder if you could maybe share some reflections on that. Yeah, so personally, uh, this is nothing to do with business, but over the last couple of months, I've realized I've kind of fallen into more of a trap of being a gossip, right? Being someone that will, you know, talk about other people um, in a not so positive way. And I, I wasn't that person before, or, you know, I, I took a stand to not be that person. I felt myself slipping a bit. And, you know, because it's easy, right? It's easy to fall into that trap. And I was doing that with friends, uh, close friends, and, uh, you know, peers over the last few months. And I, I started thinking about that. And I was like, you know, I'm going to have to make a decision here. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be the guy that you can't trust to not say something behind your back. I, that's, that's not me, right? So I'm going to have to uh, make a decision and just not do that. So if other people want to do that with me, I'll have to go back to, look, you know, that's just, I'm not really cool with that. I don't I think that's a very comfortable thing to do. And so what I think that does, though, is that it puts you in a better position of following, you know, what you believe to be the right thing to do. So, you know, it also puts you in a position of trust. So if, if they, if your friends, your peers, your colleagues, whatever, know that you're not that type of person, you're not the type of person that talks behind their back, they know that, you know, whether you're in front of them or, you know, behind them, you're not going to do that. And I think you, know, you can do things like this in business too, where, you know, it's easy to start to slip, right? Or, or, you know, the, the untrustworthy path kind of opens up. And even if you're not like doing it maliciously, but you just, it just kind of starts happening. You're falling into a routine that's not so positive in your business or personal life. Um, you have to come to a point where you, you recognize that and make a decision. Okay. A conscious decision. Do we want to continue down this path? Is this really where I want to go personally? Or am I going to make a conscious decision to shut this down and turn in a different direction? And so, you know, that's a constant, I think, battle both personally and in our business is seeing kind of how things play out. And when we when we see things heading down a path we don't really necessarily like in the business, we have to shut that down as well. And I, I think, you know, transparency, authenticity and, you know, having a congruent business is important because there's a level of trust with you, uh, your partners, your customers. And that's trust that can be easily broken and it's not easy to mend. So making sure that you're able to maintain that trust long term uh, puts you and your business in a fantastic position. And, and so I think I think the two are somewhat related. Um, the fact that I've been thinking about this personally and some of my personal uh, struggles and, and failings, I think, has me looking at my business in a similar way, saying, where are we slipping? What can I do to kind of, you know, right the ship in terms of, you know, directions we don't want the business to go? So it's, it's been an interesting couple of months. Yeah, that's great. That's some really interesting reflections and, and brings it right back to the purpose of this show, which, you know, A Congruent Life is really about exploring these themes of authenticity and congruence and, and living congruently. So given all of that and, and these reflections and this amazing journey that you've been on from, you know, corporate world in America to laying yourself off essentially and moving around the world and creating a new life in the Philippines, given all of that, what does living authentically or congruently mean to you, Justin? I think, I think it means being authentic in your relationships uh, with my business partner, with our customers, with our readers and listeners, and, and having some level of transparency um, to hold myself and our business accountable. 
so, you know, I think accountability is really important. Um, I think, uh, you know, being transparent both personally and professionally is important. And it keeps me, it forces me to remain on the right path. And, you know, I know your show is about a congruent life. And I think to myself that in some aspects, I'm pretty you know, self-reflective. And in some aspects, I think my life is congruent in our businesses and, and some not so much. Uh, but I think it's a constant battle. So it's not something that Okay, that, you know, I, I win. I'm authentic and my life is congruent. Right. I think it, you're constantly riding the ship. And, you know, the path is not going to be, you know, uh, straight all the time. You're going to veer off. I, I, but I think hopefully um, you're able to bring it back. Um, and those little detours uh, help you learn a little bit more about yourself and, uh, you know, what it means to, uh, you know, to have some the fortitude to, to get the, the ship straight. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I think you're right on. It's it's not something that you do and fix. It's something that is a it's a matter of many small adjustments, right? You're continually trying to keep on course and, and reflecting about what's going right and what's going wrong and making adjustments to as you say, right the ship. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a pilot, so that analogy works well for me. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, yep, I'm on board with that one. Yeah, absolutely. So what's going on in your world now, Justin? What uh, current projects are you excited about? Uh, so, yeah, at Empire Flippers, we um, we made a bit of a change uh, in our business uh, for 2014. We're going to be much more focused on our marketplace and brokering. So people selling sites in the $10,000 to $100,000 range is going to be a big focus for us. Um, I think getting more involved uh, in our community and really, I think, focusing on our podcast as far as content um, is really good. One of the things, and, and you have a podcast, so you'll understand this, is that you know we get a lot less downloads of our podcast than we do visits to our blog. Um, but the people that connect with the podcast like know you. I, have you had that happen, Andy? Where they're yeah, like, absolutely. Oh man, like I just I kind of know where you're coming from. I know what you're all about, and they it's just it's so cool. It's so interesting. Um, I ran into a few people in Bangkok uh, this year or last year and the year before uh, at a conference, you know, that you were at the previous one, and and they came up to me saying, oh, and you know, they they kind of knew my business and my story. I think that really helps. Uh, it helps our business for sure. You know, people uh, in our space, it's kind of odd that someone would buy, you know, I don't know, a ten thousand, fifteen thousand dollar site without having quite a bit of back and forth beforehand. Um, but I think with with us, there's less reason to because they know us, they know where we're coming from, um, and so I think that that level of trust and connection makes that much more possible than it would be otherwise. So I think yeah, focusing on our podcast and then focusing on the uh, brokering of, of websites is pretty interesting. I mean, we've been a part of helping people sell their businesses, their mini businesses. So you know they're. They've got a couple of businesses, let's say. They live in Chiang Mai. They're making six, seven grand a month. Uh, they've got a couple of sites, and they're looking to sell one off so they can you know, double down on one of their other businesses. And we're able to help them do that, sell their forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 site to someone else. Um, so I think the mini business flipping is really interesting. I mean, we're, we're connecting buyers and sellers and providing opportunities to them. And, and that's I, I'm really excited about that as we head into the, this next year. How can our listeners engage with you, Justin? Well, I tweet every once in a while. I'm at, uh, at Empire Flippers, and then you can check us out, uh, empireflippers.com. We also have a podcast on iTunes, Empire Flippers Podcast, and uh, we hope to hear from you. Any final thoughts that you'd like to leave our listeners with, uh, specifically about authenticity? 
Yeah, so uh, I'll just mention that you know some of the the podcast episodes you've done or the blog posts we've written, some of the the content that was best engaged or most engaged were the things that we were a little scared to say or write. So the things that felt uncomfortable that were like it's just too raw. I'm not sure we should say that. That's the stuff you should be writing. That's the stuff you should be including in your podcast. Those are the topics that people are going to love, that they're going to uh, really appreciate and resonate. It's going to resonate with them. So, I, it, you know, to your listeners, if you ha- if you are bloggers, if you're content creators, if you're creatives in any uh, shape or form, go for the stuff that's difficult. Right? It's it. Everyone takes the easy path. Go for the things that are difficult and that make you cringe a little bit, because that's the stuff that your uh, fans, your super fans, your customers are really going to appreciate. Uh, that's some great wisdom to end on. Thanks so much, Justin. Justin Cook, thanks so much for sharing this time with us and sharing their stories. Thanks for being on the show, Andy. I really appreciate it. I hope that you enjoyed that conversation with Justin Cook. The show notes for this episode are at acongruentlife.net slash 45. That's four or five. Or acongruentlife.net slash cook, which is spelled C-O-O-K-E. If you enjoy what we're doing here, I'd really appreciate it if you take a quick moment to subscribe to our Acongruent Life community list. I'll keep you posted about when new episodes are available. You can sign up for free in the upper right-hand corner of the page at acongruentlife.net. And thanks so much for doing that. Once again, thanks for listening to Acongruent Life. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Acongruent Life. For more, please visit us on the web at acongruentlife.net. Do you have feedback about the show or suggestions for future guests? Please contact us through the website or send an email to feedback at a congruent life.net. See you next time.